This is Lost in Bronx. Welcome to part three of Theater of the Imagination. This is my series on dramatic audio fiction, past and present, and especially how I and a whole lot of other people are putting their own and a whole lot of other people's stories into the audio format. As I progress in this avocation, I fully expect to learn a thing or two, and assuming I do, I'll pass said things on to you, my gentle listeners. I'll be using my own works and that of others as examples in order to talk about the things I've experienced or have come to believe. So, with your kind collective indulgence, I will proceed. Ah, before I do, though, I want to point out that this series is not a how-to type thing, at least for the most part. I'm generally bad on fine details, so if anything, it'll be a how-not-to series, and thusly, I encourage you to check out some of the examples I use so that you can decide for yourselves how full of crap I may or may not be. Okay, since my last episode, I have completed most of the work on a new audio fiction project called Driving with Eddie. It's a short-form audio comedy with a couple of different voiced characters, sound effects, and music. Technically, this makes it a thing called an audio drama, despite not being a drama. And if you want to understand why that is, you can check out part two of this series, HPR 0677. I know it's a little confusing how a comedy can be called a drama, but in short... Well, that's just the way it is. Now, Driving with Eddie is my second foray into the medium in general. And in some ways, it was easier to make than last time, while in other ways, not. First off, it's shorter. Overall, less time involved. That's on the easier side. Secondly, my previous dramatic audio media project was basically a short story drama. Real drama this time, not a fake drama nomenclature thing, to which I added music and sound effects. It was just me in a story narrated in first-person singular present tense. No multiple voices, except for some sound effects, and it was done in a rather stylized narrative form. But essentially, all I had to do was read the thing straight through. No muss, no fuss. It wasn't that simple, of course. Nothing ever is. Uh, mostly due to technical problems that needed finessing, but it was a different animal entirely from this latest one, which took more work per minute of finished content to plan and put together than the previous project did. Driving with Eddie has two characters with speaking parts in it. Normally, this sort of thing would be done by two different actors. In this case, I did them both myself, so in fact, the process is similar to one used by most dramatic audio media producers in this day and age, in that you'll have people in far-flung places around the globe whom you've cast in your show and whose voices you must cut together in the editing process. In most respects, save one, this is considerably easier when doing it yourself. It's much faster and more efficient. You're not waiting on anybody. The save one, of course, is a biggie. Different characters have different voices, and this generally requires different people to produce them. Depending upon your skill set, this can be a trade-off. In my case, I felt comfortable enough doing both voices that I thought I could pull it off. This versus my people skills, uh, management and networking, which are woeful at best. 
Now, this certainly isn't the answer for every project. I'm not Mel Blanc. I can't do a thousand distinct voices. Actually, I could argue that he couldn't either, but my point is that this approach doesn't always work and may not, in fact, work most of the time. Nonetheless, the prospect of my artistic endeavors relying upon the efforts of others who will almost certainly be strangers I've never laid eyes upon fills me with a kind of horror, plain and simple. Now, this is territory that's probably better approached in an episode dedicated just to acting and actors, so I'll drop it here for now. And anyway, my opinions are subject to change as I gain experience in dramatic audio media production myself. Okay, believe it or not, all of that was just a kind of intro. What we're really going to do here is start at the very beginning of the process. And since we're talking about fiction, the beginning of the process is in the writing. It all begins with the written word. It is exactly like the foundation of a building. Everything else to come rests upon it, and if it is weak, so will the finished construction be. No matter how talented the voice acting is, no matter how expensive the equipment used or level of maturity of the software involved, no matter the skills of the producer, if the writing is poor, the show will be weaker than it could be. And if it's really bad, nothing can save it. Good writing gives the actors more to work with, which, at least in theory, gets better performances out of them. Good writing even allows for a somewhat easier editing process. Granted that good or bad writing are subjective things, we're not talking about a standard of quality that everyone everywhere will agree upon. No, the standard that matters is yours. Assuming we're talking about you producing your own work. If you know that there's more which needs to be done on the script, then you have to do it. Deadlines be damned. And I'm not talking about neurotically tweaking the punctuation or obsessively worrying a bothersome passage. As consuming as they can be, if you can't get past these kinds of niggling problems, then you're never going to be done. No, I'm talking about plot, character, and dialogue. This will only be the barest of considerations of this rather huge subject. There are audio casts, online and real-life writing groups how-to websites, and books by the thousands, all dedicated to the craft of fiction writing. And make no mistake, it is the craft that matters. Talent and skill can both be honed, but only skill can be learned. Some people have talent, no argument. But no one can choose the level of talent they are born with. Everyone and anyone, however, can choose their own skill level. It comes solely from study and practice and mostly practice. In this case, that means putting words to paper or screen. Can you write? Yes, you can. Can you write well? Yes, you can. Do you write well? Ah, now, there's the question, because the answer is malleable. Work at it, and the honest answer to that question will be different in a year. That's true for everyone. 
So, you're sufficiently motivated. Rah, rah, go team. And you have a story or audio script that you think is halfway decent. What do you do next? Or let me even back up a half step. How do you get your script into a proper format? Is there a standard, generally accepted format for audio plays, the way there are for stage plays and television and movie scripts? You know what? I don't know. And I don't care. And neither should you. So long as it's understandable to both you and anyone else who needs to read it, such as other actors, what difference could it make if you write the characters' names followed by a colon, a space, and then their lines, or if you indent their names to the middle of the page and then put their dialogue on the following lines? There likely is, or at least once was, a standard industry format for these things, back when there was an industry, but that's another world, long gone. You won't be paying too many bills doing this, it won't be your job. It's all supposed to be for fun and self-expression, and I don't know about you, but sweating the details of audio script formatting doesn't sound like fun to me. If it ain't your bread and butter and people can read it, who cares? The script's format is not the story you want to tell. It's the means of telling the story. Put it all down in as sensible a way as you see fit and get on with it. Okay, you have a script of some kind at last. The next thing you want to do is line up your various elements, and by that I mean your readers slash actors, your music, and your sound effects. If it's an audiobook or the like that you've written, and you intend to record yourself reading it, then that's the first thing on the list taken care of immediately. Next, you might want to line up music. If you're a musician yourself, that's two elements down right there. If you're not, like I'm not, then there are as many sources for music out on the nets as you could ever want, but I strongly believe you need to stick with Creative Commons. I won't even say public domain. I used to like public domain, but I don't anymore. I don't trust it. If you want to know why, take a look at what Nina Paley went through over the public domain music she used in her animated film Sita Sings the Blues, a frickin' nightmare. No, Creative Commons tells you up front what you can and can't do with a recording. Now another approach. If you find a piece of music that you like that either has an incompatible license to how you want to eventually release your dramatic audio media, or no license statement of any kind that you can find, then contact the artist directly. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Identica, something. A lot of times they'll give you special permission to use a piece, and then everything is hunky-dory. In fact, it might be good to contact the artist or artists directly anyway. They generally like to know if their stuff is being used, and maybe they'll mention it on their own blogs and such. That can only be good for you. Personally, I scour ccmixter.org and the Internet Archive. Lots of good Creative Commons stuff is there. But there's also Gemendo and Magnatune and Podsafe Audio and tons more. The creativecommons.org website has a nice list of places to check, and I'll have that link in the show notes. Decide what type of music you want, be a little flexible, and look around. You'll be sure to find something really good and appropriate for your work. Okay, sound effects. 
If you're recording an ebook, you probably don't need or want any. Some, and only some, ebooks have a little sound effects, usually done solely for special emphasis or drama in a particular place, and usually only once or twice in the entire novel. That's pretty rigid these days. Go to patiobooks.com, download a few books, and I think you'll see what I mean. I don't necessarily like or agree with this trend, but it is well entrenched now, and you do your eventual popularity a favor by respecting it. My own popularity gets no respect because I am an artiste, see, and I do what I want, but there is a price to be paid for personal whim. If, after all your hard work, obscurity is fine with you, then by all means do whatever the hell you want. I mean, you're not going to make money either way, but finding listeners may be the only reward you get for this. And if you produce art in a non-standard way, you may find it challenging to gain distribution outlets and, therefore, listeners. For instance, I have no interest in iTunes, but the fact is, if you aren't there, you aren't being heard much. Now, that's all got little to do with sound effects, but my point is... The closer to established formats that you remain, the more people will tend to like you. That may seem shallow, and I won't argue, but it is true nonetheless. At some point, I'll do an episode specifically on distribution and promotions, uh, whenever the hell I figure out how to do it myself. Now, sources of sound effects are also all over the internet. I tend to stick with two sources mostly freesound.org and me. Now, freesound.org is big and awesome. Check it out. You'll very often find at least something like what you want. And if you don't, try my second source, me, or rather, you. Fully half, if not more, of my sound effects I have created myself. It's not hard. It's fun, in fact. Try it. In Blue Heaven, I had several variations on a huge metal door opening and closing. Well, I don't have access to a military-grade blast door or a rusty old bank vault, but I do have a propane tank and a barbecue grill and a cast-iron fry pan on my stovetop, and those are what I used to create those sounds. Remember, it's fantasy. Imagination. You say it's a door, make a squeak, and people hear a door. Listen to the sounds of the ordinary objects around you and you'll begin to hear possibilities all over the place. And anyway, sound effects you make yourself can't possibly give you license issues, so they're attractive on that front too. All right, I'm rambling. Have been since the start, in fact. That's okay. Like I said, this is no tutorial. Rather, it's meant as nothing more than food for thought. And because it is, Here's one last thing to think about. How many of you out there have had an idea for a great TV show or a movie? Everybody's had one at some point or other, right? Now, what are the chances that you'll ever, in your life, see your script come to the big or small screen? I'd put better odds on being struck by lightning out of a clear blue sky. But you can do it in audio. You can make a dramatic audio fiction piece out of your idea that's just as thrilling or interesting or moving, if not more so, than anything Hollywood puts out. It's work, yes, but it's also fun. And you can start right now 
You don't need a budget. You don't need expensive equipment, not really anyway, and you don't need anyone's approval but your own. A microphone and words to read. That's it, and you're off and running, transporting your listeners to any world of your choosing. This has been Lost in Bronx with Theater of the Imagination, Part 3. Take care. Thank you for listening to Hack Republic Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.